Welcome to the Inside Out Life, the podcast where we strive for inward reformation that inspires outward transformation in every area, marriage, family, faith, and life. I'm your host, author, and pastor, Chris Schimmel. So, welcome again. And uh, as we described in our introductory episode, if you were able to listen, um, this Inside Out podcast is about inside stuff that, if healed in Christ, can improve outward behaviors. And today, I would like to talk about anger. Um, And I have a little test for you. Um, many people assume that anger is always displayed in shouting and, and slamming doors and speaking harshly and angrily, while those behaviors certainly indicate anger. Um, this emotion is displayed in many forms. Take a look at the following list or listen to the following uh, statements that would indicate a form of anger. And how many can you relate to? Here's the first one. Impatience comes over me more often than I would like. Here's another. I nurture critical thoughts too easily. Here's another. Tension mounts within me as I tackle difficult circumstances. And another, sometimes I will walk in a different direction to avoid seeing someone that I don't want to talk to. Ever done that? Uh, Here's another. When discussing a controversial topic, my tone of voice can become coercive or persuasive. Here's another. When talking about my frustrations... I don't really want to hear an opposing point of view. (laughs) Here's another. When someone confronts me from a misinformed position, I am thinking about my rebuttal as this person speaks rather than listen to them. Here's another. Sometimes my discouragement makes me want to quit. Another. I can really struggle emotionally with things in life that are not fair. Another. Sometimes I blame others for my problems. One more, uh, actually two more. I've been known to speak too rudely or insensitively. And one more. I can take an I-don't-care attitude toward the needs of others. So what do you think? (laughs) Can you relate to any of these? So there's an author uh, by the name of Les Carter who has written a book about anger. And in his book, he lists 13 steps to, are you ready for this? A life 
of misery. <laughs> 13 easy ways to move yourself into becoming a living, walking volcano. Perhaps some of you are interested in that, and so I'll summarize a little bit of his strategy. Uh, step number one, take pride in being a perfectionist. See, some of the angriest people in the world are perfectionists, and it's guaranteed frustration because no one measures up or even really cares about, the, about things being as precise as the perfectionist thinks they should be, and it is a sure road to anger. You'll probably be ticked most of the time. <laughs> Number two, don't listen to anyone else's point of view. It creates frustration in others, which will aggravate your frustration level. Surefire way to become an angry person. Number three, hold on to your religious convictions, is what he says. So firmly, so firmly, you can't help but condemn anyone who disagrees with you. Number four, and here's a good one, never laugh. <laughs> never have a good time. Laughing, you see, relieves anger levels. So the next time you're in a lighthearted conversation, throw in a gloomy comment about the state of the economy or, or, or the crime rate or a global warming uh, just to keep the atmosphere serious and solemn. Uh, here's another one. Overload your schedule. And those who are too busy often wind up holding a chip on their shoulder because um, they're not getting enough of their fair share of life. They're just too busy. Um, they also tend to lose a lot of sleep, and this can be an extra bonus because it will make them even more irritable. Number six, expect others to cater to your every whim. Because if they don't, you can be angry at them. Number seven, demand, demand, and complain about when you don't get your rights taken care of. Uh, number eight, make fun of things like uh, love and gentleness. Just, just mock them. Number nine, practice shouting. <laughs> Common sense says speaking calmly creates harmony. And since your goal is to create the opposite, shout. In discussions when, when people disagree with you, yell at them as loudly as you can. It, it not only creates tension, it also sets an example one that your children and your spouse can follow so that they can imitate you. Think of all the wild scenes of anger that this can create in your home. It makes you kind of want to hurry home and give it a try, doesn't it? Um, number 10, don't look introspectively at your own weaknesses. And by all means, don't. Don't read the Bible or listen to sermons. Um, you might become convicted and be tempted to change. And number 11, worship money and possessions. Use people as a means to an end. People will resent you, and you can resent them back. Number 12, have no compassion on people who are suffering. You're a self-made person. Look down on anyone who is less self-sufficient than you are. And number 13, Learn how to nag and criticize. Always look for ways to point out the worst and the faults in people. It creates a marvelous atmosphere 
of tension and resentment. So there you have it. 13 easy steps to a life of anger and misery. And some of you are saying, well, my, my boss is taking those steps. Or my wife or my husband, you know, they are, they're reading his book. Um, today, I wonder what your AQ level is. Not your IQ. What is your anger quotient? And by looking uh, around at people, um, it would seem that many have a high AQ, wouldn't it? But don't be fooled by exteriors because surprising numbers of us civil and sophisticated and spiritually minded suburbanites have AQ uh, levels that are dangerously near the boiling point. It doesn't take much to get us steaming mad, does it? So now today, we're, we're not focusing on what we would call incidental anger. You know, the, the brief frustrations that we all experience from, uh, you know, the flat tires and the, the high electric bills of life. Nor will we focus on what might be called second-degree anger, really just an intensified version of incidental anger. No, I want to, I want to get at, in this session, what we'll call third-degree anger, deep-rooted, major-league, life-poisoning anger that many of us carry around within us, and we aren't even, well, we aren't even aware of it. Anger that is lurking beneath the surface of some of our lives and maybe has been for 5, 10, 15, or 20 years or more. A psychologist by the name of Neil Warren calls anger our most baffling emotion. He says it is very mysterious and complex. And one reason that anger is as perplexing as it is is that most of the time, our anger tends to divert our attention away from a prior, more basic emotion that is just too painful for us to deal with, which is why some experts in the field of psychology refer to anger as our second emotion. You see, anger is rarely the first genuine feeling that comes over a person in an unsettling situation. Now, let me back up a few steps and try to explain what I'm talking about here. First, let's understand that God made humans to be interdependent upon one another. Um, for example, babies depend on mom and dad for everything, for food and for warmth and for shelter and so forth. And as the baby depends on them, they, they better come through. As the child grows, um, it learns how to care for him or herself physically, but emotionally, uh, emotional dependency seems to increase even more. The child desperately needs affirmation and approval a thousand times uh, a, a day, maybe. Good job, you know, nice try, great effort. I, I, I'm proud of you. And he desperately needs affection and hugs and touches and pats on the back and, and, and smiles and winks and nods. Now, 
what, hap what happens if this very emotionally dependent young person is denied some of these desperate needs? What, what happens if parents just don't come through? What happens if instead of affirmation and approval, he or she receives scorn and ridicule? What happens if instead of, of, of love and affection, he receives intimidation or neglect or she receives abuse verbally or emotionally or physical? What happens if instead of receiving a sense of protection and security, a child grows up feeling vulnerable and exposed and frightened and abandoned. What happens? Well, the first feelings a child experiences will be intense disappointment. He needed them to come through, and they didn't. So there's sadness, and, and, and there's a piercing hurt, and fear, and grief, and loneliness, and, and disappointment. And friends, these feelings are so terrible and painful and heart-wrenching. And it leaves a child so vulnerable and hurting. Many kids will just unconsciously bolt over to a second kind of a feeling that is much less painful. And leaves them far less vulnerable and hurt. And causes them to feel more powerful and aggressive. And that second emotion is anger. A serious kind of anger that can undermine a whole life, sometimes outward and sometimes inward. But it's hot stuff. It really is. It affects every attitude. It poisons the spirit. It contaminates relationships. It's third-degree anger. I heard tell of a minister who was asked to speak in a foreign country. One assignment was to speak to a boarding school of kids whose parents were out on the mission field. The second day, um, the speaking assignment um, was a total frustration. Kids were cold and rebellious and unresponsive and almost cruel. And this, this preacher tried to reach them, but he, he couldn't. And one day at lunch, maybe a third or fourth day, he sat next to a kid that was eating alone. And he tried to make conversation with him. He said, how's it going? No response. Your food lousy as mine? <laughs> Nothing. Finally, he asked as a conversation filler, how often do you see your folks come by to see you? He waited a second and looked at him eyes filled with, hate, with hatred, and said, twice a year, what's it to you? And then he understood. A lot of these kids were angry and full of resentment. Now, before they jumped over to anger, their first emotions were undoubtedly those painful feelings of hurt and abandonment and loneliness and, and disappointment in their folks. And I'm, I'm sure they were, they were doing a good work for God. I, I really am. But they left these kids high and dry. 
These first emotions were so awful. Feelings of, where are you, Mom? Do you really love me? Do you care for me? Uh, I feel left alone. And, and it left those kids so vulnerable, they just bolted over to a second emotion that would convert those inner feelings of pain to an outward or maybe an inward expression of power and aggression, leaving them much less vulnerable. And of course, that second emotion was anger. Perhaps a better word is rage. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says, Fathers, parents, don't provoke your children to anger. And I've, I've, I've learned you don't have to beat your kids mercilessly to, to provoke them. All you need to do is not come through for them. Just deprive them of love and affection. And that child may live with a disappointment that, after a while, just turns to anger because it's, it's, it's just an easier feeling to deal with. Well, maybe some moms and dads need to do some soul-searching. Are you coming through for your kids? Are you there for them? Or are you caught up in your own lives and pursuits and dreams? Most don't realize pursuit of our own dreams may result in our children or our child being neglected, which results in hurt, which results in angry children who become angry adults. But maybe the issue isn't that you are neglecting your children. Maybe the issue is you were neglected, which produced hurt and became anger in you. And that has resulted in angry reactions and maybe some behaviors being aimed at everyone in your life, including your children. We don't have to neglect hurt and um, have anger issues, you know, like Charlie Manson, in order for our anger to be destructive. In fact, all we need to do is be a little angry from certain things in our lives and do nothing about it. Just let it go. Um, just don't deal with it. And it will do plenty of damage to those around us. So to conclude, I, I'd like to answer this question between you and God. Or I'd like you to answer this question between you and God. No denial allowed. And here it is. Do you think you may have inner anger issues that are affecting the people around you? Do you? If you do, by the way, you're not alone. But there's good news. There is healing in Jesus. But the first step 
to healing. Well, you've already taken if you have acknowledged that because acknowledgement that you have anger issues is the first step to being healed. And in future podcasts, we will be talking about how to grab hold of this kind of healing. However, if you want to get, uh, get at it sooner, my book, Once Broken, provides the pathway to obtaining this healing. Next time, I want to talk a little bit more about this subject and offer some simple steps to seeing life change in the area of anger. So I want to ask you if this program has helped you, if you will please tell your friends about us. We want to help and provide healing for marriages and parents and families and lives. God bless you. See you again next time on the Inside Out Life.